What is it worth, man? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Film Find, the greatest movie podcast ever. Assuming you've never listened to a movie podcast before, I am your host, Adam Portress. Back again. I didn't even think I'd be back this quick, but hey, we're doing it and we're doing it well. Uh, thank you to uh, people that are downloading, man. I'm seeing the numbers kind of continue to go up, so I really appreciate that. Uh, this song is by Jackal. Uh, you guys remember Jackal from the 80s, but did you remember, because I sure didn't, that they have a song where uh, a chainsaw is used as an actual musical instrument. That's th- that's what we did in the 80s. Somebody said, I, I read an article that said, uh, somebody was like, you can't play a chainsaw as an instrument. He goes, how can't you play a chainsaw as an instrument? And this is what they came up with, is this little song called uh, Lumberjack. Here's, the, here's a solo. Listen to this. This is insane. And it's in a blues song. So you got to love that. It even does the loan. It's it's simultaneously terrible and awesome at the same time. Maybe it's awesome in its terribleness, but uh, I had to play that for you. I did not realize that song existed. I was looking for bumper intro songs, and I'm like, what can I get? What can I get? And boy, was that a winner. Uh, but today, today I'm doing something a little bit different from the film find. I'm not going to be reviewing a movie per se, but I am going to kind of review that movie, but really more go over my history with that movie and everything, because I think it might be a little different than uh, many people of my age and uh, and people that like this kind of stuff. It might, I think my experience is probably a lot different than most of those. Uh, so we'll get into that as a little bit as well. But mostly today, what I want to talk about is I finished a book. I know that that's a uh, a meme on HMP that Adam doesn't read. Uh, but no, I do indeed read, or I at least listen to audiobooks as I do other things. Therefore, as far as I'm concerned, that's reading. I've got the material that was in that book. I was just making use of my life in other fashions uh, while I listen to that. And that's what I do. I ride the, uh, I, you know, driving my car, listening to it there. When I'm out walking the dog, because I take the dog on a big nature trail walk uh, at least three or four times a week, listening to it on there, and that's how you do it. That's how, that's what I do instead of sitting in a room reading a book, because it's tough for me to concentrate and do all of that. Uh, but when I'm listening to nonfiction stuff, it's pretty good. So uh, today's mo- uh, movie book is based upon the movie, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It is entitled Chainsaw Confidential, How We Made the World's Most Notorious Horror Movie. It is uh, written by Gunnar Hansen, who played the role of Leatherface, would have been the title Roll of Leatherface in that one, but they changed some stuff up. They talk about it in the book. Uh, the book itself came out September 24th, 2013. Uh, Gunnar Hansen has since passed, uh, not too awful long past this, but uh, 
So it was good to get this in here because there were a lot of rumors and stories and stuff about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. 18 billion different people had different stories. There was always somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody's cousin, uh, worked on that, was in, was in the movie, uh, saw them do horrific things. And to, you know, just you name it, you name it. The people uh, know exactly who this is by because this story opens up. The movie itself opens up with a uh, a little title card there read by John Larquette, an unknown John Larquette at that time. Uh, so he he's reading this whole thing about how this is a real thing. And there are people who claim this story was absolutely true. And that uh, and in, even outside of the original, like, you know, it's based upon uh, uh, Ed Gein. Uh, which is touched on in the in the uh, in the book itself. Uh, so there's a little bit of truth to that, but it wasn't like it was specifically him or specifically anyone else that was there. So we'll talk about that and a little bit of uh, what the the late Gunnar Hansen had to say in that. Uh, just spoiler alert: I enjoyed it. I thought it was really good, um, and and I was a little bit reluctant in getting the book because uh, I for the longest time. Uh, was not really a uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre fan. And let me tell you why. Uh, First and foremost, uh, some of you know this, I grew up a big old giant baby. I I was a giant baby, and I could not take scary films. They were not for me. I didn't like them. Uh, It may... Part of it may be from my first experience in the theater that I can remember, which is Pee-wee's Big Adventure and Large Marge. That's all I have to tell you with that. You know exactly what I'm talking about. I think that uh, scared the crap out of me uh, for quite some time after that because I would I would not do horror films at all. There would be a little bit here and there that I, that I would do, kind of your classics, your Dracula, Frankenstein, Wolfman, things of that nature. Um so I, I would watch those things, but your mainstream horror, all the stuff the 80s kids and early 90s kids and stuff grew up with, all of that stuff, I did not I did not partake in. Uh, at first, it was definitely to uh, combat the scaredy catness in me very much. I was just like, I don't want to, no, I'm, I'm scared. Oh, I don't want to do that. No, thank you. Uh, to later on, then it, that quickly kind of turned into me uh, becoming kind of art snobbish about about horror films in a way. So, you know, I think most kids, or at least most young men of around my age, and I'm almost 39, 39 this week, um, I think a lot of guys my age really, you know, jumped into all of this stuff full force, but I, I didn't. And it never really got to me. Uh, when I heard people talk about, like, Freddy Krueger and stuff, I was just like, this is so stupid. All of these movies are terrible. Uh, none of them are particularly scary. I'm not super scared when I see them, uh, nor do I find them particularly entertaining. They all follow this little rote script about, you know, what a horror movie is. It does all these things. And really, the movie that kind of set it free for me in an odd way uh, was Scream. Scream was the first time that I remember hearing a horror movie dissect horror movies and all of the things that I thought were just dumb people making, you know, very cookie cutter, junky, low budget, low brow stuff. I I thought all of that stuff was just, it was, that's what it was. I, I thought that's exactly what it was. And 
there's no thought or brains behind any of it. And Scream kind of broke it down to where it was like, wait a minute. Not only do the kids that are watching these movies see that there are these tropes, these tropes are celebrated. That turned me on everything, man. That movie turned me in, into, uh, into I, would, I would say that was the start of turning me into the horror fan that I am today because I gave it a second chance. Scream gave horror movies a second chance for me just by literally describing what everyone else was to always talking about with their friends and everything that I was just like, I am either, you know, depending upon the time, I'm either too scared to talk about that or hear it or anything and I'm running away or I'm too high-minded and up my own petard to think that, oh, I know everything about everything. And I don't. And I didn't. Uh, I continue to not know everything, but that's also kind of what makes life fun is we get to learn more and stuff. And I I learned a lot by reading this book. Uh, But let me talk about, so as I said there, coming from Scream and everything and really giving uh, horror another chance at that point, outside of the regular classics and stuff like that, and, and the occasional, the occasional ones that would that would squeak by, you know, here, uh, you know, John Carpenter's The Thing, obviously Alien, uh, a big one. Like these are straight up horror films, but you don't necessarily think of them that way, uh, or at least I didn't. I I was just like, no, this isn't horror. This is like highbrow horror kind of stuff, uh, which, for all fairness, kind of is, but it doesn't make it any less of you know horror to be quite frank. So uh, I came to all of these uh, movies late and everything, and the first time I saw Texas Chainsaw Massacre uh, was in film school. It was actually before the uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake was about to come out. And because uh, that was there was a couple of uh, a couple of movies that put me on the uh, the train of watching all of these uh, kind of classic horror films again, classic and the the nouveau classic, I guess. Um, was like Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead. Uh, before that movie came out, I was like, okay, you know what? I've never seen any of these Night of the Living Dead movies. Let me go check them out. So I checked them out. Love the first one. Second one's fine. Uh, I don't love it as much as everyone else does. Uh, in Day of the Dead, f- f- fair, fair. The least of them, for sure. Not counting the post post all of that stuff. Uh, but I, I watched those and everything and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm getting, I'm learning more. So Zack Snyder was kind of a, a door that helped open that. And this Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake was too. So I'm like, well, let me see what the original one was before I go see this one. So my first viewing of Texas Chainsaw Massacre um, was very interesting. Uh, I did not like it. And I did not like it because I did not care for the material uh, I, I didn't like it because I didn't know where it was coming from. And that's happened to me with horror films a couple times. And I'll, maybe I'll talk about other ones sometime. Uh, but like, I didn't realize what was being presented to me. So when I first watched the original, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, what's the year on this? 1974. For those of you who don't know, uh, here's the IMDb plotline. Two siblings and three of their friends en route to visit their grandfather's grave in Texas fall victim to a family of cannibalistic psychopaths. This is uh, directed by Toby Hooper, written by Kim Hinkle and Toby Hooper, uh, you know, starring uh, mostly people that you haven't, you know, seen too awful much after this. He goes a, a little bit in the book about, you know, who was who and all that kind of good stuff. So I'll leave I'll leave his book to that. Uh, but so I watched the the initial movie 
And my thought was, is like, this kind of sucks. <laughs> I'm like, uh, it's not overly scary. A lot of this movie takes place in the daytime, which is surprising. Uh, the stuff that is in night. Now, originally, I will say when I watched this uh, the first time, it was it was on DVD, I'm fairly certain. And um, the quality wasn't super great. This movie was shot in 16 millimeters, so it's a little bit tough to kind of make out sometimes, especially in those night scenes. But the day scenes, honest to goodness, look pretty darn good. Uh, but it didn't, all of it came off as very amateurish to me. I didn't care for it. I thought, I'm like, Leatherface isn't particularly scary. I, I don't know what was going on at the end, uh, you know, around the table and everything. Uh, it just felt like a weird mess to me. I didn't really, I didn't feel it, you know? And I'll say this, and I found this out later, uh, but my biggest problem was, is boy, oh boy, did I hate Franklin. I hated Franklin so bad. And here's the thing. I think because, I, again, I didn't have like touchstones with this. I hadn't talked with friends and stuff about Texas Chainsaw over the years or anything. I had no real place for it. Uh, so when I'm watching this, I'm just like, I, I don't get it. I don't, I don't know what's going on here. I don't find any of this stuff scary. Um, I, I have no feelings for it. It's just kind of it felt blah and nothing to me. And I, I just realized later on after having gone through, because I was, I, I gave it no, I gave it no quarter. Now you would think after that, after I did not care for this movie that I, perhaps I might go to the Texas Chainsaw uh, remake and enjoy that one a whole bunch. I did not. I didn't like that one either. <laughs> uh, so I don't know what to tell you. It just was, it didn't seem like my thing. Now come what? Last year? Last year, whenever it was that uh, Joe Bob did this on the last drive-in, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to finally give this a shot. I had watched the original Texas Chainsaw probably twice. Didn't like it either of those times. And, and again, I think one of the reasons I didn't like it, I didn't finish that thought, but the whole Franklin thing, I fucking hated Franklin, and I felt horrible because I was just like, I felt bad for hating a kid in a wheelchair. But when I found out that other people fucking hate Franklin too, oh my God, it took like so much of a burden off of my back. And that's the big thing that Joe Bob, like when he started into it, he was just like, oh yeah, and everyone hates Franklin. I, I just like, I I felt like a joy in my heart. Like I, like I just found out that I wasn't an asshole. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, oh, thank Christ. Everybody knew that? Good. Good. I feel a lot better now. So I didn't feel like I didn't feel terrible hating the kid in the wheelchair because everybody hated the kid in the wheelchair. He was an asshole. And from uh, what we find out in the book uh, was kind of just being in character the entire time, which in a low budget movie, when you're playing an asshole, you're not going to exactly ingratiate yourself to the rest of your uh, crewmates here, bud. Um, I don't know. Uh, but so I, I watched it on that, uh, the Joe Bob time and hearing what he said about the movie itself and in the inner, in the, uh, you know, the opening and interstitials and stuff, it gave me a new perspective of what Chainsaw was trying to do. I had not seen it through that lens before. And at that moment when watching that, that opened up my brain and I was like, I finally get it. I've seen this movie or I've. Is, uh, I don't know how to put uh, Let's see. I, I, did I see the movie and now I felt it or did I feel it and now I see it? I don't know. There's some sort of stupid metaphor there that I'm not smart enough to come up with. Uh, but 
I understood the movie for the first time with him and really listening to the music is such a key in this movie that I had really not uh, ever quite paid attention to. And maybe, maybe because I knew everything that went on, I, because I just rewatched it again uh, for, for this, for this review. When I rewatched it again this time, after having read the book, um, it just it hit me a lot more. I I I saw the movie for what it was, what these people were doing. Uh, but I will say this: as creepy and weird, and I, the stuff that I found silly and stupid before, you know, like the end table scene and everything. I'm not gonna. If you've never seen Texas Chainsaw, I'm not gonna try to spoil too awful much. Uh, but my guess is the probably the majority of you have seen this. Uh, but at the end and everything, you know, it, it's funny and horrifying at the same time. It just came off as stupid and like these guys are, they don't know what they're doing here. The first time that I saw it, so it's it's different when you when you have more context. And I just I wonder how context would have shaped my original view on this because honestly, it's one of those movies now that is it's up there for me. I I. I think I saw, I actually saw and understood Texas Chainsaw 2 before I <laughs> saw and understood and, and or at least appreciated uh, the original Texas Chainsaw, which is funny. Um, But, so I, I picked up this book because uh, it had gotten a lot of good reviews and stuff on Audible. Gunnar Hansen himself reads the book. And uh, I think that was really a great decision on my part. Even, uh, you know, I know... People are going like, oh, it's just it's a smart decision for you to pick up something on an audiobook instead of you read, you dumbass. And you wouldn't be wrong. But uh, Gunnar Hansen reads this book and he has a great, very non assuming voice. I think had I read this in print, I would just picture Leatherface reading all of this stuff, you know? Uh, or at least when I would read it, I would picture Leatherface's, you know, <laughs> visage yapping all of these things at me. And uh, you don't do that because uh, he's he's a, he's a creepy enough guy. You don't need to be thinking about that in the entire time. But Gunnar Hansen has a very kind of soft and soothing sort of voice. Uh, turns out the guy that played Leatherface was just this uh, hippie poet. You wouldn't you wouldn't think the guy who you know uh, got got to the heights. Uh, because of uh, killing people with a chainsaw. No, no, no. He was a poet boy. Um, but he, he got the book goes through about how he got the kind of audition and stuff. It was really sort of odd happenstance. And really, uh, he doesn't go through all of it because obviously Leatherface isn't in the movie, you know, wholly. A good portion of the movie, but there's a decent portion he's not in the movie as well. So he wasn't around for, you know, everything. Uh, right at the beginning, more towards you know the the latter half of everything, uh, but you, you wouldn't you wouldn't suspect it coming out of this guy. He's he's a very thoughtful writer and everything, and he really lays things out in just that sort of fashion that says, "Here's what we're doing. Uh, here are my thoughts on it." There's a lot of uh, he goes into a lot of the rumors and speculation and stuff about you know who knows what and how these things all came about. Um. But really, the thing that I found when reading this, because I, I read the book and then watched the movie before this uh, before this podcast, uh, reading it is honest to goodness. There are moments in this that that like there is so much that's like light and airy 
and interesting and informative about low-budget filmmaking of the time and them doing uh, this movie. But there's also, it is, uh, it's dark. This this book, there are moments in this book that, like, just even with Gunnar Hansen's kind of nice, uh, just baritone honey voice coming through, still seemed amazingly scary. And the way that it was, there's some stuff that was just nonchalant, was it, it seemed quite bizarre. He seems like he's got a good head on his shoulders but before he passed and everything. Uh, but man, oh man, it just... Some of these things in the book, describing the events that took place, I pictured even scarier in my mind than what I had remembered watching Chainsaw. And then when I watched it again, it wasn't nearly as bad as <laughs> as, as the book made it out to be. The book, like, because I remember back before reading this, having, having just previously had the Joe Bob experience there, I came back and I was like, all right, I'll, I'll read this book. And it was like, man, I remembered the stuff so vividly from, from the movie and stuff. And I, it just, it painted an amazing picture. And then when you go and watch the movie afterwards, it almost seems tame in comparison. <laughs> There's so much of this movie that, uh, that you remember looking like a gritty, fucking rugged, ugly mess in 16 millimeter and everything. But honestly, most of that's really just the stuff at night. Uh, the stuff in the daytime actually looks pretty darn good because of the 16 millimeter color film that they got, they got kind of the best lot of it and everything. So that's also why a lot of it needed to be shot in the daytime. Uh, but the fact that they went through and like didn't change any of their clothes and stuff the entire time, everybody just had the wardrobe that they had. So they practically had to shoot the whole darn thing in order. Uh, just insane. He talks about, uh, them bringing Grandpa down uh, for the big feast and everything, how falling out of the chair and all that kind of stuff went on. The things that, you know, ultimately end up kind of being funny, uh, but like funny and scary at the same damn time, which is quite odd. Uh, and, and of course, all of that scene, they shot that, and I think it was that last scene, they talk about how uh, this ends up happening in most Toby Hooper films, is that there's like one day where they just will like shoot forever. And so they had it. I think the, the dinner scene there at the end is, was that big 21 hour day or whatever to where, and they were just going bananas for like 21 hours, just doing all of that stuff. And, uh, Marilyn Burns, who plays Sally, our final girl, uh, she's fantastic. And uh, so many of her screams are uh, are as good as they are because they're fairly real. Uh, for the most part, they worked they worked her up, and these guys went absolutely bonkers. Um, it gets to that point. I'm going to be honest with you. There are times in this book where you are scratching your head, and you're just like, "What is it worth, man?" What what is it is it worth playing all of this stuff? Is it worth being this insane? And there's arguments to be had. Would you if if not for all of that insane craziness, would you have gotten this particular movie? I don't know. Uh, was the result of that worth it? I guess that's for you know the survivors to tell us and stuff. But uh, 
I mean, for example, there is a bit in there where, you know, people are cutting each other and without permission and rarely knowing what exactly is going on and just working you up to a lather, man. Uh, It's bananas. The, The whole book is absolutely just dog shit crazy. Uh, but it's, it's also warm and comforting at the same time, which is really strange. Um, I don't think that Gunnar Hansen, uh, pulls any punches here. Feels like at least coming off, off the red word here from him, it sounds like he's coming from a very sincere and honest level because he makes himself out to be the not the best guy in some in some moments, especially with you know the the knife and cutting stuff at the end of the uh, of the time and whatnot. So it it doesn't feel like he doesn't shy away from showing some of the bad things that he himself might have been an accomplice to. And it just sounded like mostly everybody was just stoned the majority of, (laughs) of this shoot, especially Toby Hooper from what I'm to understand is quite the, uh, the, the ganja uh, head over there. Uh, But I will say this. I, I like the movie. Uh, once I, my mind was kind of opened to what it could actually be. Uh, once I watched Joe Bob and, and got that more explanation and, and really somebody would just say, hey, here's why this is important. And again, I, I'm not going to tell you that I'm Joe Bob Briggs or anything, but I hope ultimately the film find uh, to some degree can become a thing that says, hey, I think this has merit. Why don't you check it out? And maybe you check it out and maybe you love it. You know, hey, maybe something changed your life. Who's to say? I don't know. Movies are fucking nuts that way. But uh, that's that's kind of what I want to do here is just, you know, give you something that perhaps you'll take away uh, something else with. And I, I took a lot away from this book and rewatching of the movie and everything because uh, I, I, I had a real thought at the end of the book. I had a thought about like Toby and Kim Hinkle and, and, and Gunnar Hansen himself, uh, just all of those guys and what went on and. Part of you, because you always hear the stories about, you know, Toby being a stoner and everything, and Kim as well. You hear all the stories about those guys just being like, you know, crazy stoners and stuff. And then there are times when they'll just go bananas and do way too much, go way over the top, treat people like shit. And you just don't know what to do with it. And to where there are points where you're just like, I don't know, is is, is this a, a horrible person? And it, it's it's a rough thought. And because you do have that some in within this whole story amongst a lot of these people, and not everybody, uh, it it was it was rough. <laughs> Sixty thousand dollars for a film in nineteen seventy four, shot all on film and everything, with like you know just a handful of people all the time. It's just it's an insane undertaking, and a movie that really did change a lot of cinema. Uh, for the good and the bad in a lot of ways. Uh, but uh, one of the most successful independent films of all time and just became that big giant thing that for the longest time, I sure shit couldn't understand. Uh, but I got through it. I finally figured it out. And so that's why I always tell people, if there's a movie or something out there that you didn't like, try it again. Try it at least, I mean, you know, unless you just like fucking hated it. Uh, 
give it a, give it another shot at some other point later down the line when you've had some time to get away from it. Come back to it again, and maybe maybe even one more time after that if you're still kind of on the bubble with everything. Because life changes, your your tastes change and all that kind of stuff. You may not have liked, you know, tomatoes when you were a kid, but as an adult, you have a brain and you go, tomatoes are great. Why shouldn't I be eating tomatoes? Movies can be that exact same way, too. Uh, so I've got more stuff coming up for you. Uh, in the meantime, we got more things uh, happening. I've been watching some movies. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about those. If you would like to come on this show and talk about a movie or whatever the hell it is that you want to, email me, thefilmfind at gmail.com. Uh, no one is doing it, so the bar is low. Get in while you can. <laughs> uh, so that is it, everybody. Uh, check me out on Hero Movie Podcast. Uh, every week we talk superhero movies and TV as well as Falcon and the Winter Soldier 30 questions. We have that winding up. And on that exact same feed, if you go before those episodes, you'll find WandaVision 30 questions. Uh, so check out all of those good, fun things. That is it, everybody. Uh, I will see you guys next time. On a trip to investigate, make sure folks don't violate our
alright, you can pay me later. Or better yet, you can do me a favor. Let my grandpa hit you on the head with a hammer. He's the best killer there is, makes the best splatter. Then we'll eat your corpse once you're good and dead. And the brother will make a mask with your head. Hey, where'd you go? Thanks for hanging out. Uh, that was, uh, <laughs> I was looking for a Texas Chainsaw Massacre song or something that was related to it. And I found that. Uh, that's also, uh, it's called Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the musical animated parody song by uh, Lugany. I don't know what that, I can't pronounce that. It's a fucking YouTube name. What do you want? Uh, I'll, I'll link it in the show notes. It's well worth a watch. Uh, as you just heard, it is the entirety of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre plot. <laughs> it's exactly everything that happens in the movie, and they animated all of it, and it's pretty It's pretty fun. So uh, check all that stuff out. I don't know if I actually said this, uh, but I recommend the book. <laughs> if you're a Texas Chainsaw fan or you're like me, you're kind of new to it and everything, and really want to get the lowdown, I would suggest check it out. So I can't believe that I didn't give a final... A final uh, recommendation, but there it is. You heard it if you stay to the end of the show. Uh, That's it, everybody. Uh, See you next time.